Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. This week I'm sitting with a woman who I've had the pleasure of spending company with not long after she got her knee replaced. So I'd like to say that I do know who this woman is. As she climbed up and down my stairs um, in my house in Edinburgh, Judy Sedgman, it's an honour and a delight to have you on the podcast. Thank you for for taking part. Well, thank you, Jackie. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. I have to say I had a a wonderful time with you and and, um, Mr. Lovely (laughs) and and got to meet your beautiful daughters and uh, share a little bit of life with you. And it was just delightful. So uh, I feel very close to you because I feel like we're kind of kindred souls in this uh, simple journey that we're taking as long as we're here. Absolutely, Judy. Thank you. That's a, a beautiful thing to say. I think we're also kindred mischievous spirits in this world yeah, too. A <laughs> <laughs> just, just a wee bit. Judy, for the people listening, can, can you tell them who you are, what you do? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I'm... Um, I've been around a while. Uh, I've been a three principles uh, practitioner for more than 30 years, but I had a whole life before that. Uh, So um, as you could probably gather, I must be pretty old and that's true. Um, But I, uh, I am a person who stumbled into the principles at a time in my life when I was living at such a high level of stress that my doctor threatened me with death. And, uh, and it was all stress related. I was sort of a healthy person ruining my daily experience of health because of my thinking and um, therefore, you know, driving my blood pressure up and creating all kinds of problems that are stress related. And since I uh, didn't really want to die, I didn't know what to do. And I got scared, but I was, uh, that didn't help me. It just made me think more about all the terrible things that could happen. And then uh, because I was running a medical practice management business, uh, one of my clients was Dr. Bill Pettit. And uh, I had just gotten involved with him as a client. And um, he insisted that anyone who did anything uh, with his practice have an appreciation and understanding of what he did because it was at that time considered outrageously different. And uh, a lot of doctors in the community were kind of negative about it. Mm -hmm. And he wanted people that worked for him to be comfortable and feel like they could, you know, at least say, yes, I've seen what he does and it's okay with me. So I had started to sit in on his groups. And um, after a while, although I was sitting in on them just to sort of get a feel for what it was he did, I wasn't thinking it had anything to do with me. Um, After a while, I discovered that I was calming down. And I truthfully didn't even know why. I just thought, wow, this is cool. I feel so much lighter and happier. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought, well, maybe I should listen more because the only thing that was different in my life was that I was sitting in on his groups. Otherwise, my life was the same as it always was. So I started really kind of 
paying more attention. And I, I kind of got the, I started talking to some of his patients and asking what they were seeing. And, you know, I just, uh, just started having insights, you know, one after another. And I, that's, that was the beginning of my journey. And ultimately, you know, several years later, I sold my business and I moved out to LaConnor and worked with the Pranskys and for nine years. And then I ended up on the faculty of West Virginia University Medical School. So now I'm living in Florida, where it's warmer and less hilly than West Virginia, which is easier for me to navigate. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I mostly work with anyone who is looking for um, help, but I have two focal areas that actually I would consider jobs here. And one is that I do groups for veterans who are struggling with PTSD and are in a court program that they're required to do groups. And I'm one of the groups they're required to do. So I'm part of the punishment, <laughs> the, op- <laughs> the alternative to jail. And, uh, and then I work with a lot of troubled women and uh, women in various forms of distress at the Women's Resource Center, which offers uh, reduced fee counseling to people who otherwise would never get help. Yeah. And um, other than that, I just do a lot of webinars and talk to people on the phone and on Skype and on Zoom and and uh, travel around. And I'll be in London in a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I kind of go wherever the, where the uh, moment takes me. And I, so I would describe myself as a happy person enjoying life as long as it's with me. Oh God, that's beautiful. Judy, you know, you spoke there about, you know, once you came across an understanding called the three principles, life kind of changed. You know, for people listening, Judy, I mean, what are the three principles and in what way was it different from anything you'd encountered before? Yeah, well, I guess what I would say, if I had to sum up the three principles in a, uh, in the vernacular, so to speak, Mm -hmm. I would say, um, we're making it up and seeing it as real because we can. (laughs) And so uh, I didn't know I was making up my own thoughts before that. I thought that um, life was forcing me to think the way I was thinking. Uh, I had no idea that I had any volition whatsoever. So I was always in reaction to circumstances. Mm. And when things went wrong, I would freak out. And when things went right, I would get nervous that they weren't going to stay right. And I had no idea that had anything whatsoever to do with me. You know, I would have said, well, it's this job. It's the, you know, my angry clients, it's this or it's that. And um, I think what the, what the principles do is they kind of flip that. And what I, when I started really focusing, you know, just asking myself, what am I hearing here? You know, I started hearing the inevitable logic Mm. that I, the same power, the same energy that's allowing me to get so worked up over everything is, doesn't care what I do with it. You know, (laughs) it's just this neutral energy flowing through me and I'm creating this mess. And you know, it's, it's a real effort to create this mess. And if I let, if I put that much effort into just creating something different, I might have a nicer life. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I just kind of loosened up. I just realized that my thinking was uh, just just something I was creating in my own head. And (laughs) I didn't have to. I could create anything. And and, in a sense, it's not like positive thinking. The first thing people go to is, oh, so you started thinking positive. 
no, I just started realizing that when I felt really upset, I didn't have to keep thinking those thoughts. <clears throat> and then things would start to change. Forgive the little cough. I am unashamedly getting over a cold. So, <laughs> but I feel great. So don't pay attention. Don't feel sorry for me. Um, oh, I wasn't. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. If I if I felt really bad, I would have called up and canceled because it's no fun to talk on the phone when you don't feel good. But but uh, you know, so so it's that simple. I mean, I'm making it up. I'm seeing it as real. I'm experiencing the reality I'm creating. If I don't like it, think again. Leave it alone. Let it pass. See what else comes to mind. And I got less and less and less attached mm -hmm. to assuming that every thought that came into my mind was important. And that's really so, key, isn't it, Judy? That yeah. part is really, really key because so many people are, are carrying with them thoughts that they've had about people and places and, and, and you know, events and experiences they've had in their life. And they don't realize that thought in itself, as you rightly said, is neutral yeah. and transient. Yeah. And I, I see that with the with my veterans with PTSD, you know, the three principles are mind, consciousness, and thought. Those are words that a lot of people just in regular life don't relate to. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, but what it really means is, you know, we have these, we have the power mind uh, of life flowing through us, universal energy of all things. Um, and we use that to create thoughts and we become conscious of them as we create them. And that gives us our experience of life. So, it, you know, that just is, and like I say, summed up with we're making it up and seeing it as real. So when I uh, talk to some of the veterans, I, you know, it's very easy to explain that in those terms to say, you know, your PTSD when it happened, it was horrifying. Whatever happened to you or whatever you were part of or whatever you experienced, and I don't, you don't need to tell me what it was, but it was, it was a terrible moment of life. And you experienced that. You had your mind turned to what you needed to think about to survive. And now when you think about it, it's your thought. Yeah. It's over. You know, so you have a choice of how to, how to hold it. And it doesn't own you, you know, it's part of your memory and you can pull it out and examine it and relive it or not, or you can accept that it will pass through your mind from time to time, like many memories do, and accept that it's when it passes through my memory, it's no longer happening. It's, it's what I'm remembering at that moment about something that happened a long time ago. And, you know, for some reason, that just makes sense to them, but that's not anything they've ever heard before. Mm -hmm. And it always kind of surprises me that no one else says that. You know, they feel like they have to deal with these memories or, you know, they're, if once you've had these traumatic memories, you're kind of wounded uh, indefinitely. Um, and the fact is, you know, a lot of people have a lot of bad memories and they tend to be you know, less chipper than people that have a lot of happy memories. Yeah. But it's only because then when they, when their memories come to mind, that's what they see. But when they know that's what it is, you know, they don't, they can want, it's like going to a bad movie and saying, you know what, I'm going to leave this theater. 
as opposed to saying, you know, I bought my ticket, I they've closed the doors, I'm stuck here, you know. Yeah. <coughs> you know, and it's what we're talking about is is a very, very, very simple understanding. You know, and, and often in that that simplicity, people look for ways to make it more complicated. Yeah, they do. The, you know, but that's part of, you know, and, and I hate to use the word conditioning, but really that's what it is, is that for most of our lives, we've been taught that our intellect is far more important than our intuitive self. Yeah. And when we realise that we don't have to hold on to those memories. I mean, there's a great, great, great part in The Missing Link by Sid Banks. You know, where he talks about this, he talks about memories just being thoughts carried across time. I yeah. remember that just hitting me like a brick, Judy, and I couldn't stop laughing because yeah. in that moment, it was like all the stories that I had just collapsed like dominoes. Yeah, they, they do because, you know, it's now your story. You know, you can decide which chapters you're going to reread. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that that's, and that's not to make light of people's traumatic experiences no. or people's difficult memories. It's to say, all we have now is this moment. Mm-hmm. And what we fill it with is volitional. It's up to us. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can decide in this moment that I'm going to go back into my memories and pull out a lot of really upsetting things and have a pity party for a little while. <laughs> if I choose to do that, I will do that. Mm-hmm. But when I know that I'm choosing to do that, it's not the same as when I feel like this is my fate. This is my destiny. I'm, you know, I have no choice and these terrible things are always coming to mind and I don't know, I'll never escape this. You know, I mean, I can do it just for the fun of it, but mm-hmm. um, I don't have to do it. And, yeah. and I find that, you know, I, the re, I, I've wondered for years, I really have asked myself, why is the focus of, helping other people, whether just as a friend or as a professional, always on delving into the negative. And I finally realized it's because we take all the good things for granted. Yeah. You know, and I thought back to the the first time that when I was early on in my career, I worked in the, I was a newspaper reporter and then editor. And I remember in my first uh, training, you know, on the job training as a reporter, And uh, some person that I was interviewing said, well, how come the news is always so full of bad stuff? Why isn't there good news? And I I went back and I asked my editor that. I said, you know, why isn't there good news in the newspaper more? And he said, because good news is the way it is and bad news is the exception. (laughs) You know, and I thought that made perfect sense to me at the time. I thought, yeah, you know, normally traffic moves up and down the road and nothing happens. And then there's an accident. That's the exception. And that's what makes it news. It's different from what we've come to expect and what's routine in life. And so the negative things that happen to us are like the bad news. Mm -hmm. You know, and we can read about them and, and, you know, take stock of them. But uh, what normally goes on most of the time is not much, you know, we're just living our lives yeah. and we don't, you know, we don't just, you know, say, wow, you know, I had another uneventful moment. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, now we do, but you know, back then, you know, it's like no. we took all that stuff. Well, of course I had an uneventful moment. I'm waiting for that bad one though. So I can talk to somebody about it. <laughs> 
And, you know, and I honestly feel like that's how I was living my life. You know, for most, for the most part, I had nothing to complain about. Yeah. You know, I had a successful business. I had a nice house. I had a nice family. Um, you know, I had friends, I had a good life and, um, you know, everything was fine except when I got upset about some little thing Uh and then it it got to be a big deal because I created that big deal out of it because it was the exception. Mm -hmm. But I, I had forgotten, you know, that all that was, was just a blip on the radar screen of an otherwise very pleasant life. And so it's funny because I don't, I don't actually spend much time delving into my happy memories either. You know, it's like, why do that when you've got a whole new thing happening right here now? Yeah, you're so right. I, I, you know, I, I'm often sitting, Judy, and I'm thinking, there's nothing passing through my head whatsoever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, why, why? I'm just not bothered. I'm really just not bothered. And I was out yesterday with Lauren. Um, no, it was yeah, I saw Lauren in the morning, but I saw Nikki, my, my middle daughter, in the afternoon. Uh-huh. And she was Scottish free. She was taking the Mickey out of me. She was she was um, being cheeky, uh-huh. and, um, making derogatory comments, and I couldn't stop laughing. And she she says, "That's what I love about you, Mum. <laughs> you don't take these things seriously." I said, "Because I know the intent isn't serious. I know right. we're just having some kind of banter." But I said, "Even if someone said something to me nowadays." It shows me more a reflection of their state of mind than it says about me. Right. It's it's their perception of you. It's not who you really are. You know, uh-huh. it's what they think you are in that moment. And and that, you know, sort of you take that right back to a thought passing through my mind. It's a reflection of my state of mind in the moment, right. whether I do what you said and I, I you know, I, I, I have a pity party and get all engaged in it. Or, you know, I just see it and it goes and I think nothing else of it. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny because you just, you lose the desire to get up for unhappiness and, and also for deep, heavy thought, you know, I have to say that's another form of, um, you know, delving into the intellect inadvertently. Yeah. So for example, I was a philosophy minor in college. Oh, (laughs) so I read a lot of stuff that I truly didn't understand but I plowed through it yeah and you know then you'd have to think about it a lot um because you were trying to understand it well enough to pass you know and um and I remember asking myself one day as a kid you know just sitting like a sophomore in college sitting in my room reading like Wittgenstein or somebody and saying to myself like god how could somebody spend their whole life coming up with these very complicated ideas you know like wouldn't that be just really awful oh yeah I mean that's just common sense right it's the common sense of youth and then I thought well you know I'm glad I minored in this because (laughs) I'd probably be a basket case if I majored in it do you know it's funny funny that you're just saying that my husband's grandfather was at Oxford with Lichtenstein Oh, really? Uh-huh, uh-huh, and actually helped translate some of his work. It was just... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, really, really cool, isn't it? How yeah. there are all these crazy connections. Yeah. But when you that were talking cool. about that with, with thought, Judy, I thought it's a form of self-abuse, really, isn't it? It really is. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are things... I think there's another thing that understanding the nature of my my simple little part of all of this, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just like a little molecule in the universe 
And, you know, my job is to live the best I can do and not do harm mm-hmm. uh, while I'm here. And, you know, it's sort of like being the best tree you can be or being the best flower you can be or being the best bee you can be. You know, we're just going to be the best human that we can be. And our we're put here to be happy and, uh, you know, kind of experience what it is to be alive. And what it is to be alive doesn't always involve having all the answers, you know? So it's just like, you know, I don't know what the inside of my mom's womb looked like, even though I spent nine years there, nine years, nine months, (laughs) nine years, but nine months. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, now you you say to yourself, well, you should have known that you were, that's all you had to, experience for nine months but you know I wasn't thinking about it you know and then uh now I'm here and I'm going to spend however many years I am in this life and the less I you know examine I want to say the more I appreciate the experience without examining the reason for everything and the whys and whys and here here heretofores uh the happier I am and the more I have to give to others, the more I have to share the kind of joy of just being here and being lucky to be here. And, you know, I, and I'm not a person who doesn't think about things. As you know, I'm politically active. I have a lot Absolutely. of mm-hmm. thoughts about a lot of things, but I don't take those too seriously either. I just see it as part of my responsibility as a human being to uphold um, simplicity and not complicating things and not looking for differences and not looking for bad intent and not um, making up stuff that isn't uh, necessary, mm-hmm. you know, even though I can, you know, so it's possible to create an alternate universe and live in it, which is kind of what we all do anyway in our own little separate realities, but it's not necessary to decide that it's the one that everybody else should be living in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think that that's you know that part keeping it simple is part of the uh, part of the kind of mission of happiness. Yeah, you know it's really that simple. And there are questions that we'll never know the answers to. And it's being comfortable with that, isn't it? Did you just learn yeah. to let it go and realizing, as you say, that you know always I always laugh when people say I'm scared of the unknown because yeah. it's all unknown, really. Right. Right. And, you know, look at babies as an example. I, I love babies because everything's unknown. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what do they got? They got nothing. You know, they're, they're every day is a new day. And, you know, with tiny babies, they're not scared. Yeah. They're excited. You know, it's like, what's going to happen now? Oh, my gosh. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. And yeah. they get delighted by the silliest little things. You know, you can distract a baby with nothing, you know, just wiggle your fingers and the baby's all delighted yeah. because they've never seen that before. That's all new to them. Uh-huh. And then we get jaded, you know, as we get more and more experience, we go, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. You know, but honestly, that that when you think about being afraid of the unknown is having thoughts that there's something scary in the unknown. But we have no idea what's in the unknown. So we mm-hmm. just made that up. Yeah. Judy, your work, you said you work with women who have troubled lives. 
Yeah. I mean, that must be really incredibly interesting work. And I wonder if there's anything, any stories there that you'd like to share with us? Because I'd love to hear them. Sure. Well, you know, I think um, what I would say is that almost all the women that I work with who, you know, they kind of fall into the category of having made choices in life that led them down the path of being victims and abused. Um, because of their own insecurities mm-hmm. and their, um, you know, and their, their, their kind of like one thing leads to another or people who um, are just desperately afraid of what's going to happen to uh, their families. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, I, parents that are really frightened of their own children, you know? Yeah. And I, I do see a lot of that. I mean, those are kind of like the, the two most prominent things that bring people to our center. You know, and in the case of abuse, you know, abuse is, uh, is two insecure people basically trying desperately to navigate um, a relationship. And so, you know, one, the, there is no person who would abuse a person unless they were coming from insecurity. Yeah. The need to control, the need to dominate, the need to show who's boss, the need to feel uh, on top of things, to feel like I'm in charge. And for women who tolerate it and get involved in it and stay with it, it's their insecurity about I can't, I can't I'm I need this person in my life because otherwise I'll never survive. You know I, I I don't know I'm not strong enough to be on my own. I don't know what to do. And so you have these sort of two pathways of insecurity that keep the intersection is not pretty. Mm-hmm. Now, my I very rarely ever get to see the abuser uh, because people, generally speaking, men don't come to the Women's Resource Center for help. I always think we should rename it the Human Resource <laughs> Center. But, um, but if I if I can work with a woman to help her to realize that she doesn't have to hate this man, she doesn't have to. Um, send him to jail. She doesn't have, she just has to keep herself safe and understand what insecurity is and decide, you know, if she can be secure in the presence of his insecurity or if she can have any effect on him. And that's something I can't predict. Sometimes they do. Sometimes women get very calm and very centered and very secure and their, their very presence calms the man down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes they leave and you know, that's, that's their choice. But I had a woman who came to see me. This was really sad. She was, she was, had been running a business. She had been married very young and then divorced and then she had a child. So she had to go to work. So she started a business so she could work from home and it became very successful and she was making good money and she had a nice home and she was able to provide for her child and she's out there in the work world and she met this man who was charming and, you know, and, and they're uh, also very successful. And so he persuaded her that, you know, they should join forces and he had a business too. And, and um, you know, so she ended up marrying him and he, they had a lovely home and gradually over about four or five year period, he persuaded her to, sell her business um, and stop trying to work because she had this, he could provide for everything and 
she had this beautiful home and she could get things for the home and everything. And so for a while she was focused on decorating her home and doing homey things. And, and then as her son got older, um, the father started doing a lot of things, sports and fishing and going off on boat trips and stuff with his son and leaving her home alone, but he wouldn't give her any money. Mm. And so over time, over about a six or seven year period of time, she suddenly discovered that she was a prisoner in her own home Mm -hmm. and that he was controlling every single aspect of her life. She had to get permission to do anything. And then she discovered he had cameras. Oh my God. Every room in the house. And he was always checking up to where she was, what she was doing. She had no privacy, not even in the bathroom. And she didn't even realize that they were there until, you know, she was, he was gone for quite a while and she was cleaning or something. And she stumbled into this thing. She didn't know what it was. It turned out it was a camera. And um, so she got terrified. She got terrified. And the more terrified she was, the more compliant she was. And then uh, she discovered that he had three other girlfriends. And she found that out because her son was getting older and he and her, the father had actually done something with one of these other women. Mm-hmm. And uh, the father told her son, you know, well, men rule, they can do whatever they want, you know, and uh, your mother's got a beautiful home. That's all women need. And her son told her that, you know, that daddy says, blah, blah, blah. And that's what sent her in for help. And she said, I don't want my son growing up thinking like his dad. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and she didn't come in uh, because she was didn't see that as abuse when it happened to her. She saw herself as the as the as the person who had gone along with it yeah. and blamed herself. But she didn't want her son to adopt those thoughts. Mm-hmm. But her son was not paying much attention to her because he was becoming more and more like his dad. You know, well, she's just a woman. She's got her house. Leave her alone. And um, and she said, I don't know what to do now. I think it's too late. It's too far down the path. And um, she was going to kill herself. She really wanted to kill herself. She said, the only thing I can do is just take myself out of the picture because, you know, I don't I don't matter. And I don't matter to my son and I don't matter to my husband and my house doesn't care. And I have no friends now because I don't go anywhere and I don't have any money. And she had no idea of the role of her thinking changing over the course of years. She had forgotten about starting a business, being successful, taking charge of her life, providing a life for her son, being independent. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, why can't you go anywhere? She said, because he doesn't want me to leave the house. And I said, but he's gone a lot. And I said, you know, do you have, do you have a car? She said, well, yes, but he monitors how much gas I can get. And I don't have any money. And I said, well, do you have enough gas to get to a job interview? And she said, well, yeah, I usually have a half a tank of gas. <coughs> And I said, well, what's stopping you from just walking out the door, getting in your car and striking out, you know, going somewhere and talking about getting a job or doing something? She said, well, because then he would he wouldn't let me. And I said, well, what's preventing you from getting in your car and going and uh, renting a room somewhere? 
and starting a life of your own and filing for divorce or putting it into this situation. <clears throat> and she said, well, I don't know. I'm afraid of what would happen to my son. And I said, well, what's preventing you from going to seek help? You know, you come here, what would keep you from going to, you know, seek help for how to, you know, get your son into a safer situation. And she said, um, well, I'm scared. And that's the bottom line, Jackie. People get scared yeah. of their own thoughts. <coughs> and I said, well, fright fear is a thought. Yeah. You know, fear isn't real. Fear is a thought. And I said, were you scared when the first time around when you found yourself on your own and you started a business? And she said, no, I was energized. I was full of life. I was, you know, a different person. But she said, um, he's taken all that away from me. And I said, you know, how can someone take away your energy, your heart, your soul that you, you can, you can give it away, but no one can take it. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. That's okay. Love. And, you know, she, she sat there and cried and she said, you know, the last time that I got help was a few years ago. And I went to talk to somebody. Um, I think it was a social worker at a, at a women's, you know, place that rescued abused women. And the social worker told me it would be a long, hard journey and that I would have to do a lot of work on myself. And it just seemed so difficult. It just seemed like one more person trying to run my life mm -hmm. and I couldn't handle it. And I just went home and cried. <laughs> and she said, now I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, I did it once. I can do it again. <coughs> you know, and what what you're saying there, Judy, is 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 so beautiful because a lot of helpers out there that they they're operating through a simple misunderstanding of how they're creating their moment to moment experience, and that's just been validated through the training that they have. Yeah. You yeah. know, and and so innocently they, they're sharing what they know to be true completely right. unaware that there is you know an age-old wise way of understanding how we create an experience of life this isn't a new understanding no, it's an no, uncover no. it's an uncovering because this wisdom has been around for years and years and years and like yeah. all, all of these things it gets covered up refound covered up right you know and what what you're you're describing, Judy, and in, in, in that woman is 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 so simple, yet it's incredibly profound. Yeah, and that's what I find is that uh, you know women like everybody else have common sense, mm -hmm. and sometimes they've abandoned it or overridden it with fear. Yeah, but as soon as they see that fear is is made up. Mm -hmm. You know, and different people see it at different times in different ways. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it's very quick for them. They just see it. Mm -hmm. um, but once once they see that fear is a thought that they've adopted, you know, they've adopted it as a as a protective mechanism, as an explanation, as whatever, mm -hmm. and that it's the only thought that's keeping them from a different thought. Yeah. You know, because as soon as fear comes in, then all the other thoughts, you know, kind of step back. And that's a very powerful 
you know, fear, fear is the, is, is the weapon of insecurity, you know, it really mm -hmm. is. It's, it's, uh, and so, you know, that's an example. I had another case where a woman, <laughs> this is, uh, this was, this was like one of the stranger things that ever happened. Um, a friend brought her in, it was at the end of the day. And normally the women's resource center is seeing her and talking to her friend doing intake would have sent her directly to a mental health institution because she was in the middle of a full-blown mania basically mm -hmm. but um the person that did the intake was new and she didn't she didn't do that she said well judy will see you at the end of the day so th this woman and her friend came in and this woman's story in a nutshell was she had gotten all these uh she had a nice life two children nice husband nice you know family and she had a good job and uh, her husband had a good job and life was perfect. And then she uh, started thinking she had missed out on a lot of things in life because she married young and had her family young. And she was wondering, you know, what she'd missed. And she got that going in her head. And then the next thing you know, she was leading a double life that she rented an apartment and uh, she got a blonde wig and she, <laughs> and she would leave home and get all gussied up and go out to bars and pick up men and take them back to the apartment and and uh, she went through a lot of money uh, which her husband didn't even notice because she was taking it out of their retirement fund and uh, and then finally uh, he discovered her double life you know she couldn't hide it any longer because she was gone for longer and longer periods of time and then at one point police showed up because of some incident that had happened and, and so he uh, forbade her from the house and closed down the bank accounts and what was left of them and and now she was you know desperate and suicidal and you know hyped up and and her friend had brought her because she didn't want her to kill herself mm -hmm. so by this time you know it's like almost seven o'clock at night and i'm thinking you know i can't let this woman go till she gets calm uh because she could kill herself and i you know so i had to stay with her long enough to calm her down and she kept, every time she would tell me some terrible thing she did, she would stop and she would say, who does that? Who does that shit? I can't believe I did that. Who does that? And then she would lapse into, you know, telling more. And so finally I said, you know, I see, I see, I hear that you keep asking who does that? So I'm wondering if you've got an answer to that question. Who does that? And she said, uh, if I had that answer, I wouldn't be upset. And I said, well, stop for a minute. Stop for a minute. Just stay with me here. And I walked over and I held her hand and I said, now just let your thinking calm down. Leave your thinking alone for a minute. You don't have to tell me anymore. I get the picture. You know, so you, you've told me enough. You don't have to keep going over this, all this stuff. But just ask yourself, who does that? Who? And she said, well, I'm afraid the answer is a crazy person. And I said, well, what's a crazy person? And she said, I don't know. I don't know, but I think maybe that's who I am. And I said, well, then who are you? And she said, well, I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. I was a happily married woman with two kids and a nice life, and I blew it. And I said, and what caused you to blow it? And she said, well, I just kept thinking about what I'd missed. 
And I said, okay, so suppose that you're just a person who thought her way into insecurity about what she might have missed in life and for the heck of it, decided to experiment a little bit and got out of control with it and then kind of lost your way. And she said, well, that would just be a very sympathetic way of looking at me. But I'm really a bad person because look what I did. And I said, so do you think that you're the only person in the world that's ever made a mistake when you look back on it? You thought, gee, that was bad. I should have done that. And she said, I have no idea. She said, I don't know what goes on with other people. And I said, well, I'm a counselor, so I'm here to tell you that you're not the first person <laughs> that's done things that you look back on and thought, gee, that was bad. I should have done that. Yeah. She said, well, look at how many bad things I did. Well, I, and I said, there's no keeping score with bad, you know, <laughs> so we have moments. And she said to me, so you don't think I'm a bad person? And I said, no, I think you're a person that got very drawn into a lot of upsetting thinking and crazy thinking. But crazy thinking is not the same as a crazy person. The person doing the thinking is indulging in crazy thoughts. They're not the crazy thing. The thoughts are crazy. And she said, well, I don't want to do it anymore. And I said, so stop. <laughs> and she said, well, how would I do that? And I said, the same way you started. You just say, you know what? I, that's not a good idea. Yeah. When you started, you just thought, well, maybe it would be fun to try that. Well, now you know that it wasn't fun. It didn't work out for you. So just stop doing it. Stop thinking about it. Stop going over it. It's over today, right now. It's over. Because you can make that choice. And she said, well, but I, I'm such a bad person. And I said, there you go again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and her friend started laughing. And she looked at her friend and she said, what's funny about this? And her friend said, the whole fucking human condition is what's funny about it. <laughs> she said, because I'm sitting here thinking, that makes so much sense. I've known you since high school. You're a great person, mm -hmm. you know, and you've always been a little on the adventurous side. Mm -hmm. And I can see how you got sucked into this and then didn't know how to get out of it. And she said, the whole thing, just, you could just drop it. And when her friend said that, she said, so you think I could drop it too? And her friend said, yeah, sure. And um, she said, okay. And I said, now look, all I want you to promise me is that you won't do anything really dumb, like take yourself out of this life because you have two children who still love you and you're still their mommy. And, um, and the mommy that they know is not the person they've never seen you in, as that other person. They know their mommy and taking that away from them would be really kind of very mean. And you don't want to do that. And she said, no, I really don't. I just, I just want to get out of this life. And I said, well, the way out of this life, is to come into the moment now and start new. Yeah. And she said, did a big deep breath and she said, okay, 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 I'll try. And her friend said, well, you, will you come home and stay with me tonight? Then we'll have dinner. And she said, yes. So she made an appointment for the following week. And honest to God, she came back the following week. She was in a business suit. She had gotten her old job back. 
because she had been very good at her job and she was a bank um, person. She did something in a bank and they, they took her back because she had just left. I mean, they didn't even know what she was doing. And she said, well, I was on, you know, I had, I had a temporary illness and they said, fine, if you're well now, come back. So she had gotten her job back. She had gone and apologized to her husband and his parents and um, her children had missed her. And her husband said, okay, well, let's see if we can find a way for you to spend time with the children. Cause he could, she, he could see she could calm down. And she came in and she said to me, God, you must've thought I was really weird last week. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, not really. I said, people get into weird ways of thinking and then they act weird for a little while because our thinking is our reality. And she said, well, I just want to thank you because I didn't know how simple it was. I didn't know how simple it was for me to go off the deep end. And I didn't know how simple it was for me to come back to shore. See, it's simple both ways. And I guess that's my point. Oh, God, I love it's, that. I it's love just that. as easy to get a crazy thought and jump into it as it is to say, that's a crazy thought. I'm not going there. You know, it's just one thought at a time. And she had no idea that she was thinking all those thoughts and that she was just making it up and that she had any choice at all. As soon as she felt at choice, this is so key. What the principles give us is the freedom to choose the direction of happiness mm. and to find tension and anxiety and upset and fear and insecurity to be our friends, our, our little guide signs. It's like coming to one of those signs in the road that says trouble ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, and realizing, you know what, I, I know my way around this town. If I turn right here, I can skip the whole thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's the thing is that all of these emotions and, and feelings that get us so worked up and and take us deeper down the hole because we misread them. We think they're, they're signs that there's something wrong with us. Oh, my God, I'm really screwed up. No, it's your mind telling you, you know what, this isn't a good direction. Yeah. You know, and as soon as people realize that, honestly, they just miraculous things happen, you know, not because we're so wonderful or smart, but because they are, because yeah. we all are. So I don't know if that answers your question. but that's oh. kind of, you know. <laughs> It more than answers my question. Yeah, so I always kind of go for the, for the easy, you know, the yeah. same power. It's just what I realized is the same power that was keeping me stirred up. Mm -hmm. could really create anything and why mess with stirred up when you've got other choices you know absolutely it's like it becomes in your own self-interest to, to uh turn around judy thank you for sharing those stories they're just wonderful and they're, they're a perfect example of of <laughs> how we create our experience <laughs> you know sometimes yeah. sometimes yeah. in a kind way and sometimes in not so kind way yeah, I, I really appreciate you being a guest on, on the podcast, Judy, and I, and I know I'm going to invite you back because there's lots oh. of stories in there I'd love for you to share with people. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jackie. It's just been a pleasure. And I love what you're doing. I think it's so, so helpful. Just just the idea of unashamedly is such a beautiful thought, you know, because that's really the story I just told you is the woman yeah. became ashamed of her own humanity rather than accepting we all make mistakes. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you, Judy. You're welcome. Okay. Take care.
You're cool. 